and welcome to the PCOS Diva podcast. My name is Amy Medling. I'm a certified health coach, and I'm the founder of PCOS Diva. And my mission is to help women with PCOS find the tools and knowledge they need to take control of their PCOS so they can regain their fertility, femininity, health, and happiness. If you haven't already, make sure you check out PCOSDiva.com because there I offer tons of great free information about PCOS and how to develop your PCOS diet and lifestyle plan so you can begin to thrive like a diva. Look for me on iTunes, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter as well. Today I have the absolute privilege of talking with Dr. Margarita Otamaya. She is a personal friend of mine and she uh, is a reproductive, um, she's not a reproductive endocrinologist, she's a functional endocrinologist um, here in Nashua, New Hampshire where um, it's my hometown. And she just wrote a fabulous book called The Hormone Link, and she is here to join us on the PCOS Diva podcast to talk about her book and her work with women with PCOS. So welcome, Dr. Margarita. Hi, Amy. How are you? It's so awesome to be on your podcast today. Uh, well, I, I just want to give our listeners a little bit of your background. Um, you completed your internal medicine residency at Boston City Hospital and Boston Medical Center, which is affiliated with Boston University. And then you completed a fellowship in endocrinology and metabolism at Brigham Women's Hospital and that is the teaching hospital for Harvard Medical School. And you have a private practice here in Nashua, New Hampshire, um, called Advanced Health and Wellbeing. And, uh, of course, you wrote this fabulous new book called The Hormone Link. So um, I'm excited to dive into our podcast. We have um, lots of great things in store for our listeners. But first I just wanted to um, just to ha- help you sort of define for us what, the difference is between kind of like a, you know, endocrinologist and this functional integrative approach to endocrinology and, and health and wellness. Um, you know, how does that look different for a patient? I think what is important is really bringing into the official reason why one becomes a doctor. So in my personal situation, I found that I was having um, a little void in understanding my medicine as I wanted to practice it. And so I took foundational education that was a little bit beyond my basic medical school and my fellowship training. I furthered um, my education in nutrition, and I uh, have a physician certificate in nutrition. And furthermore, I have done a lot of um, education on psychology and trying to understand our behavior and our mind and our mood. And I decided to kind of name it functional integrative approach to endocrinology in the sense that I start with um, a diet plan, uh, an exercise plan, a mood plan, a sleep plan. And then we also use supplements to further supplement our food uh, and nutrition. And then we come to the use of prescriptions. So in that regard, we really try to have a very comprehensive approach to a, a medical condition and look at it from the real origin and cause 
and trying to fix it rather than just patch it up um, as a symptom. I also feel that um, when we are not feeling well, so the biology of the body um, has really a lot of influence by how we feel and how we perceive what is going on. So I call that more like the psychology or emotional intelligence relative to our body and how we react to the outside world and how we're feeling. And that blended with, you know, our inner language and our inner understanding of us being part of a community and a whole um, that requires a little bit more integration and learning. And so it's important to learn about our body, learn about what's going on. It doesn't have to be that everybody has to get a medical degree, but at the same time, really understand to one's capacity what is going on. And when that happens, that doctor-patient relationship, or when it comes to my patients, we have a much deeper conversation that can affect change as compared to just getting a prescription or just doing something without knowing why. Did that explain you know, that a little bit, Amy? Yeah. And it's really, I think, for a lot of women listening, it's such a refreshing approach um, because typically, you know, we're handed a prescription first, right? And and the diet and lifestyle kind of um, factors are sort of, yeah, well, you know, you need to go on a low-carb diet sort of as you're heading out the door. Um, so, you know, I, that, that's one of the reasons I wanted you on the show because I just love <laughs> your whole approach to, you know, wellness and, and treating women with PCOS, which I know you do um, a lot in your practice and, you know, over the course of your um, career. And you've sort of figured out different um, types of PCOS, which I think is really fascinating and I love for you to kind of talk about those different types of PCOS that you mentioned in your book. Um, yeah. And, you know, maybe some, some people, you know, women listening can kind of identify with those different types. Well, you know, kind of foundationally starting with what we talked earlier, I think um, endocrinology is very complex and extremely difficult. Even like when I was in med school, uh, trying to grasp uh, the hormones and the world uh, of hormones, it's just like trying to delve into the ocean because we know a lot about endocrinology, but the truth is there's so much more to discover and to learn. And thank God, you know, um, technology in terms of laboratory testing, interesting things like that. But I personally um, have PCOS, and so I had my own personal quest to find what was going on and um, really tackle this. And actually, I've come across your podcast personally before I met you, and it was such an honor when I now indeed found out you were in my neighborhood. So the different types of PCOS, the way I think of them is that um, PCOS stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome, as we all know. And syndrome is a collection of symptoms. You know, it doesn't really have to have, you know, everybody present the same way, which makes it so much more elusive because if you are unfortunate and you don't um, access somebody who would know what we're talking about, they might say it's in your mind or it's in your mood or the way PCOS can affect the mood. It could be, you know, you have depression or whatnot. The way PCOS affects the body, you know, some patients with 
or some people who suffer from a polycystic ovarian syndrome might present with more of a met metabolic problem and their issue would be more their weight and acne and the extra hair um, and some of those features. <clears throat> In some, it might present more because they've been trying to get pregnant and they can't. And in others, it could be mainly because their periods are so irregular and now there are some consequences at the uterine level where it's extremely unhealthy to have less than six periods a year. So it all depends on kind of what drives the individual person. But I divided them in, in kind of four different categories. So we have the overweight category where there has been an issue more with the metabolism. And then there's a lean category where there would be more ruptured ovarian cysts, problems in the pelvic area, severe um, pelvic pain, and problems of that nature. And then we also have those that have uh, regular cycles, which seem to be daunting because one of the hallmarks of polycystic ovarian syndrome would be that you have irregular periods. So for those women that do have regular bleeding, considering a hormonal imbalance is a little kind of harder to grasp. And then those that do have, of course, the irregularity in their menstrual cycle. So the way we see that is more that when you are overweight, hormones tend to store in our fat tissue. And um, our liver is having a little harder time eliminating these hormones. And so as they are stored in the fat tissue, they continue to create havoc in the um, cycle and the delicate harmony that needs to be you know, in process for all um, our hormones to be talking and synchronizing to keep the cycle regular and ovulating and metabolism and linked a little bit with um, insulin resistance and prediabetes. So we have the overweight and we have the lean. And those that are overweight tend to have very high hormones or circulating high hormones. And those that have the irregular cycle have even more of a predominance of that irregular um, concept and they have more of the presentation of the typical polycystic ovarian syndrome as compared to those that are lean and might have some more uh, ability to metabolize their hormones but on the other hand other problems such as these cysts that sometimes when they rupture they hurt so much and problems of that nature. So each one of them, each um, type of PCOS might have a different approach on what it is and how to take care of it. And so it's really individualized, truly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I always say there's really no one-size-fits-all approach um, to right. managing PCOS because everyone, um, it affects everyone so differently. And, you know, and I think that's, that's the problem with a lot of um, you know, diet advice. You know, for some women, they they do well on a paleo. Um, some, you know, on a keto diet, and some women really feel well on um, you know, eating more of like a vegetarian kind of approach. And you know, and so I try to stress with listeners that just like there's no one type of PCOS, there's really no one. Um, approach to managing it, except you know, looking at um, you know, broad, uh, you know, like you had mentioned earlier, you're you're looking at your stress, your sleep, your moods, um, and kind of figuring out what works best for you. You know, um, what what we can learn from the opportunity of being able to do 
more sophisticated testing, we have the ability to look at micronutrient levels. And mm -hmm. one of the important things is that hormones, especially ovarian hormones, they are based on a cholesterol ring, so they're fat-soluble. And I really like the fact that it's important to realize that we are very low on omega oils. And now we're talking a little bit more about MCT oil and the importance of fish oil because what happens is that these hormones kind of get accumulated in the body and we don't have a means by which we can eliminate them. So sometimes in PCOS it might be an irregular production and a true ovarian dysfunction and in some it could be a liver problem in which you're not able to really eliminate these hormones well if you don't have good levels of these fish oils or these omega oils and so they get kind of clogged in the liver and in the fat tissue. So when you talk about diet, it's really important to realize that we need to have a high fiber diet regardless of what choice of specifics, if it's vegetarian, if it's paleo, if it's macrobiotic, but really trying to have a high fiber so that when those hormones are eliminated via the bile and the skin, that's why sometimes the acne, you know, you really want to have a fiber to then eliminate them fully rather than having them reabsorb in the small bowels. And then furthermore, having those oils to help lubricate and eliminate um, these hormones. So again, it's sometimes in the source and making them, and sometimes in, it's in the way we eliminate them, meaning so, hormones, um, of course. For somebody listening that is not taking fish oil right now, like what, what kind of dosage do you recommend sort of beginning with? So the fish oils, we divide them in EPA and DHA. Those are the true um, molecular concepts when you think of fish oil. So fish oil can be a bit fishy. You want to have a very good source because they could have some mercury in it, and so the source of the fish oil is going to be really important. We can go down to the smaller fish called krill, but it really has to be the small little fish, so sardines. We can also do salmon and herring and mackerel, but those sometimes, you know, are a little, a little, you know, contaminated. So if we're going to get it at a supplement level, the dose should be at least 1,700 um, milligrams a day. So I would recommend, and then doing them uh, morning and night. So you get a very good high quality fish oil and you at least take um, a thousand milligrams um, in the morning and a thousand milligrams at night. Okay, great. Sorry about so, that. So, <laughs> oh no. So, you know, what I, what I really loved about your book, um, Dr. Margarita, is that your section on PCOS, um, you talk, you really take this holistic approach. Um, and I would love for you to talk to us a little bit more about how emotional and spiritual health is as important um, to the biological health in women with PCOS as, um, you know, taking, making sure you have the right macronutrients and the right supplements. Um, because, I, you know, um, working on PCOS Diva and my journey with PCOS, I found that um, I had to really heal both, both the emotional and spiritual side to help, you know, heal myself um, 
and manage my PCOS. So it, it's I, I feel like we're kindred spirits because <laughs> I loved reading that section in your book. So I, I would love for you to talk more about that. I have to say that that section is probably my favorite as well, only because as women we are now driven into many different um, aspects of our life where we have to be really good at pretty much everything. And so one of the things that PCOS does havoc is in our hormones and our mental emotional health. And, you know, in a subgroup of women who suffer premenstrual dysphoric disorder, which means it's a really, really bad PMS, you know, usually they have hormonal imbalance and what those hormones do within our mind. So unfortunately, that already sets the tone for us to be a little more sensitive, a little bit more vulnerable. And so we are exposing ourselves to be being, you know, slightly traumatized. And so self-esteem super important, self-confidence, self-acceptance. And when we start having that inner language that could be going on a negative tone, then of course we're a little bit more stressed, we have a little bit more problems interacting with other people, and then it really then kind of affects us with our motivation. So in regards to our diet and exercising, if you're exhausted, if you're having problems connecting with other people, going outside and having things like that, then of course the treatment should be starting to focus on, you know, really empowering yourself to to really feel that you can conquer PCOS. That's the first thing. Or you can conquer anything, mind you, but if you set your mind to it, you have your proper team, you learn about this situation, and you set a goal to say that PCOS is not going to rule you, you can control PCOS. And it's challenging, mind you, but really important to keep a check on our emotional health and not let that become a problem of its own. Furthermore, when you start feeling a little bit more empowered and you really feel hope that this can be taken care of, then you will be more apt to follow, you know, a diet and not surrender to certain, you know, desires that would be at the office place, somebody brought cake or such and such. And, you know, trying to get out of that uh, realm of your diet and what you need to do because clearly the PCOS diet does require attention. You can't eat anything and everything. You want to really focus on your high fiber, your vegetables. If you are not a vegetarian, you know, choosing your meats appropriately, trying to find things that don't have a lot of pesticides or herbicides, and how to handle the budget. So it really is comprehensive at a financial level at a personal, intrapersonal language and spiritual level, and then also healing those wounds that might have happened in our past and knowing that every day is a new day. And if maybe, you know, you weren't that good with your diet yesterday, well, today's a new day to start on and treat yourself with a lot of love and compassion. That's super important. Mm. You know, another thing that has really helped me is, to really work on staying in the moment. I know the worry about the future, um, it can be so consuming for me. <laughs> um, you know, and it, it sometimes it seems so silly. My husband's really a great um, reality check, um, you know, it, to realize that that, the, that present moment is really all we have and to focus on the moment. I think it gets rid of a lot of that needless stress that we put on ourselves that really disrupts our hormones. I totally agree. And then it's, again, the chicken or the egg because those hormones also put our brain in a very vulnerable position. Mm 
So almost knowing like when you get like a, a scrape or a, a burn in your skin, you know, you're a bit more raw. And if you can just say, okay, I'm a bit more raw, so I just need to make sure I protect my skin like you would put some aloe. You know, in our mind, you really want to protect yourself from the negativity because it's so easy now with the media and, you know, it's so easy to get into a negative mindset. But um, being mindful and almost in a meditative step, we're going step by step and just being patient and yet disciplined. That's really important because you don't want to get too lackadaisical. But on the other hand, knowing that humanity as humans that we are, we're not perfect, but doing it every day and being mindful, it's true with having that reality check and then also understanding the grateful, being grateful and appreciating yeah. the good things that we have as a good check and balance. I find that very, very important, you know. Yeah, and, and you know, I think something that causes women a lot of anxiety and negativity, especially younger women with PCOS, um, is the thought of um, infertility. And, um, you know, I know I've shared my story with you, um, Dr. Margarita, how I was 17 and a doctor told me that they'd have to jump through hoops one day to get me pregnant. And I think, you know, a lot of women hear that, this story. But, you know, I'd love for you to give women some hope, you know, based on your Absolutely. experience and practice. Um, for those who feel like, um, you know, having a baby might be hopeless for them because they've been told by a doctor that, you know, they'll have to jump through hoops or they're struggling with infertility um, right now, um, you know, I'd love for you to give, a, give them some... Yeah, so I want, to, I want to share with you um, the fact that um, I, too, was told that exact same thing, and um, that's what made me want to become an endocrinologist and challenge PCOS. It's personal for me. I was uh, given an ultrasound and it was full of cysts, but I focused on one that didn't look like a cyst. It looked like an egg. And I pretty much had to say to myself, because the doctor gave me the Clomid prescription and personally my aunt um, had quadruplets in the 80s due to an overdose of Clomid. So she was like the optimum of the 80s, I think. Um, but in, in that regard, you know, you don't need to take those words so deeply because that can also empower you to say, um, I'm going to show you different. And what I did is I changed my diet. I started doing my cardio and my physical activity with some weights. Um, and really, it didn't have to be like a a massive change in my diet in the sense that I just focused on my fiber, I focused on my nutrition, I made healthy choices, I actually, instead of um, delving in the negativity of this very daunting possibility that I would never be able to have children, I, I actually focused on me and made myself healthy because in case I would get pregnant, because I knew I would, was more that I was going to be as healthy as possible. And whatever I could do to make that happen, I was going to do. And miraculously through, you know, delving into my exercise, my mental health, my um, kind of spirituality and connecting with nature and um, then really it might be a matter of blood testing, you know. That's when it comes to the bottom line where it's like I've been doing my diet, I've been doing my exercise, I've been taking my supplements, now what? And so there might be the case where you might need some medication 
that might help. But um, the truth is, uh, there is hope. And don't stop at um, any words that are negative. If you really are interested in um, doing a transformation, but it has to be personal. It has to be at a level of one's self. So in a sense, the babies will come once you know you sort out kind of things that are blocking you and then make sure you get your proper team in place and that might mean buying some books getting on uh, your beautiful podcast and your website and trying some things that might not be as conventional but at the same time you know as long as you are healthy mentally spiritually uh, financially um, and biologically, then things will come into place, you know. Um, so I do believe that don't stay stuck, you know. Keep reading, keep keep asking questions because you are you have infinite wisdom. You know, we do have a wisdom within that will help us come out of our state of being stuck, you know. Mm. And, you know, as um, listening to your story, I, I heard you say, you know, I, I got myself healthy, um, or I wanted to, to kind of get myself to, like, a place where I was, you know, in optimal health because I knew I would have babies one day, one way or the other. And I, and I think that is key to um, not taking what the doctor, you know, may or may have not said as your truth. And that's something that I, I think I share with you. You know, when I was told that, I kind of, in the back of my head, I, I thought, yeah, well, you know, that's what they're just saying. But I know one day I'll be a mom, you know, right. one way or another. And I think right. that is a key to the, the, the whole um, journey as well, is you define your truth, not somebody else. I think that's so positive in every way, shape, and form. I mean, things do happen. And life does get in the way, but we are, we have to keep a mentality of being survivors and being fighters and being warriors and goddesses and divas because, you know, it, it is true, you know, if we start going into the negative path, then of course those words will become true. And so it's, it's a matter of like, well, you've been doing everything. How do we connect? Well, we read blogs like yourself. We connect with people out there that can give you hope. So it's really not that easy. It's a little easier to say than to do. But like in your story and in my story, which it does go personal, um, you know, and especially with our right to have babies for those that want to, um, that is something that should not be denied. And, and we have come a far long way with technology and medicine. And so in a way, the information is out there. Now we just have to go get it. Yeah, and, and you know, I, um, I really like what you said about, you know, be a, be a survivor, be, you know, a goddess, a warrior. And, you know, something that I just wanted to kind of mention, I don't know if, um, you know, some listeners realize, but, you know, PCOS is really this ancient disease. Um, and it's, you know, can be, um, you know, cr traced back, you know, to, to ancient times of famine when, you know, our bodies, um, you know, our PCOS bodies were set up to be able to withhold famine and be able to carry on with childbearing when others may not. And it's just, you know, we're, you know, the hard part is that in this time, kind of on the human timeline, in the, the place that we're living with, you know, all of the abundance of 
um, food, you know, in modern society, it kind of takes a toll on our PCOS bodies. But we really are innately programmed to be survivors. So, you know, let that work for you. Absolutely. I think the basic goals of the treatment of PCOS would be really looking at your metabolism, looking at that food, because despite the fact that we are in a world of abundance, we also have abundantly low-calorie, not-so-healthy, pretty much junk food. And so that, even though we are feeding ourselves or we're satisfying that chewing and eating, it's really not nourishing you or nourishing us. And so when you're eating some kind of image of what would be a tomato, like ketchup, for example, ketchup is not a tomato, you know? And so we have filled our, our food shelves with things that are like make-believe almost, that they have flavor, but the nutrient content is not as, as good. And so really looking at what your body needs, you know, good protein. If you're going to have carbohydrates, have them with good high fiber. And then really within the oils, it's not really a fat-free world. It's more looking at good, important oils that are important for your brain, for your nervous system. And again, when it comes to hormones, it's really important to know that hormones are fat-soluble and only an oil can take care of an oil. And so that fish oil paradigm um, or, you know, MCT oil, coconut oil, which is the ALA part, and the EPA and DHA. So those would be the good molecules to think in reference to PCOS is trying to find ways that you can also help um, these hormones eliminate your body since you're producing them daily. Um, another one that I think is really important is increasing the muscle to fat ratio. Exercise in polycystic ovarian syndrome is pivotal. We really need to circulate um, these hormones, help them move around the body and not get clogged in our fat tissue. Um, also really important is to make sure to regulate um, the periods and vaginal bleeding. Very, very unhealthy to have less than six periods a year because that um, tissue within the uterus is accumulating and does really need to come out. And so if it's not, you know, under other forms of treatment, but naturally a woman should have a regular cycle to avoid cyst formation, and then when they rupture, it really hurts and whatnot. So it's important to have your periods regulated. That will boost your fertility if that's what is desired. Also, acne. You know, there's so many products that we can um, use to cover up acne or to treat acne, but acne is indeed a symptom of those hormones kind of clogged within your system, and the skin using the oil glands is trying to eliminate them, and so acne is not just a, a symptom as much as it is a hormonal imbalance for some. Um, hair loss, for example, if you're having hair loss, it might be um, a hormonal imbalance as well, so promote healthy and abundant hair. Sometimes those B vitamins are crucial if we're not getting them from our nutritional sources. And lastly, but really super important, is promoting healthy self-esteem, healthy relationship with oneself and with others so that we can reduce risks of getting, you know, traumatized or having, 
you know, problems arise with depression and anxiety and other conditions. So I wanted to um, tell people a little bit more about your book, um, which is really so comprehensive, like 680 pages of everything <laughs> you want to know about your thyroid, adrenal, and sex hormones. Um, it's, uh, it's so comprehensive. And um, one, one part that I especially like for PCOS divas is you really, in the beginning of the book, you give um, you know, great advice about how to develop sort of that doctor-patient relationship. Um, and I, I think it's so, so valuable because, um, I, you know, you want to make the most of the little time that we get with our doctors these days. Yeah, I think, you know, we have to work with what's going on in the sense that um, sometimes we have all the time to discuss it, you know, but truly that is not the natural norm. Um, so in, in preparation for the visit with your doctor, it would be great to prepare, you know, what you're going to ask, what your concerns are. If you have actually been to PCOS Diva or read other books or like my book, The Hormone Link, you know, try to grab some questions and focused uh, points to discuss so that when you're there and you're in the rush of the moment, you're able to remember those questions or those points that you wanted to address during the visit. But that doctor-patient relationship is very important because, you know, in some cases, um, we as women, now I'm talking now as if I was a patient because I have been, you know, we want to not just focus on the mental and then get labeled as anxiety or depression or focus on just the acne and then get acne treatments but not really deal with the hormones. And so these are all kind of... Um, I would think of it like the rays of the sun, you know, they're all peripheral to that one pivotal central situation, which is your hormone imbalance and why that is. Could it be a genetic predisposition? Could it be an environmental situation with how your lifestyle is? Could it be a combination of all of those things? So it's a matter of trying to do go go inside and try to piece out what your real what your real questions are and what you can address and those that you might want to address later but I usually make three lists all the things that I think I have a problem with those that I have maybe some solutions for and the third list would be those that I'm going to uh, effectively make a change and try not to get too overwhelmed with a list that would be too long because if you create an endless list, then, of course, there's going to be that sense of never being able to accomplish it. So you really want to start with that list with the things you want to change or address, those that have solutions. And of those that have solutions, pick one or two or three, but no more, and then change them and really make effective uh, interventions and then readdress those lists as time goes by. But try not to get overwhelmed. That's great advice, and you know your book is a great resource to kind of dive into and and kind of develop your question list. So can can you tell um, tell us where we can find it? You know, give us just the the name and um, and again. And so where, where uh, yes, thank you book. so much, uh, Amy. Yes, so it's called the Hormone Link. I thought it was an important title because. We talk a lot about hormones, we talk a lot about what they are, but sometimes trying to connect them to really um, 
how we understand them. So the book is um, that big. I made it in big font, you know, so it's big letters, so it's easy to read. It's really not meant to be a front-to-back read. It's chapters that are unique to you. So I did focus a little bit on the doctor-patient relationship because I think that's really important in endocrinology since some complaints that we have can be so vague and apply to so many things. But then we delve into, for example, the thyroid gland because as women and women who suffer from PCOS have much higher risk of having a thyroid problem, I thought it would be important to really address that. And the chapter starts with a questionnaire. And so if you happen to find that through the questionnaire you have some issues, then it might be worth reading that thyroid chapter. We have another one on the adrenal gland. And that's really a powerhouse where, let's say, we suffer from anxiety. We release adrenaline, and that's what makes us shake a little bit and feel the butterflies in the stomach. And so it's really important to understand that adrenal gland. And so we start also with a stress questionnaire. And then, again, if that's interesting, then we can read that chapter. And then, of course, we talk about what is the period, what is a normal period. Sometimes we don't even know what is normal or we think that's who we are and that's why we were made. And so we might just be unusually different. But if we understand what is the period, then we can say, hey, my period is not like that. So let me read on to the next chapter, which is a little bit more understanding of polycystic ovarian syndrome or infertility and the different options that we might have. And then let us not forget that when a woman who has polycystic ovarian syndrome or any woman in general, when we reach the perimenopause phase, the menopause, sometimes um, with PCOS, menopause can be far more complicated, you know, because then again, it's another big change in hormones and another period of hormonal imbalance that just makes uh, things really complicated. And so I try to explain that in a sense where we talk about diet, we talk about exercise, we talk about supplements that would be good, and then when to really seek a prescription or an intervention with the doctor or when things might get, if it's thyroid disease, you might want to have them tested, you know. It's important to have those laboratory tests because without them, it's just, um, it's just an opinion, right? The tests really are confirmatory when it comes to some of these problems. Yeah, it's, it's really um, a great book to have for your resource, like on your resource shelf. Um, and, you know, I was lucky enough to have you sign mine. <laughs> So, well, we will we'll make some book signings, or we'll do some activities, okay. I promise you. Um, well, thank you so much, and, and we'll please uh, come back, and, you know, we'll have to talk about another uh, PCOS topic, because, um, you know, being a woman that, you know, has had hormone issues yourself, um, I think it's it just makes it so much easier to, to you know, share and... Um, you know, we kind of all learn from each other and what works for us. So, so please come back to PCOSB. Thank podcast. you so much, Amy. Thank you. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. That wraps up our podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you like this episode, please don't forget to subscribe to PCOSB on iTunes or wherever else you might be listening to the show. And if you have a minute, please leave me a quick review on iTunes because I love to hear from you. Don't forget to sign up for my free newsletter. I send it out, um, you know, once a week with, you know, new content. Um, 
and recipes and, you know, lots of stuff to make your life easier. Um, and just enter your email on PCOS Diva to get instant access. This is Amy Medling wishing you good health. I look forward to being with you again soon. Bye-bye.